Welcome to Reveal and Heal Podcast Live. I'm Coach Deb. Reveal and Heal, new week, new goals. We have a special guest today. Actually, it's Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the sister to uh, Dexter Jones. We had him as a guest and he was something else. You know, we talked about that sweat and chocolate, honey. That beautiful <laughs> smile. Yes. <laughs> He's running for uh, city for yeah. school council. And of course, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. He's an amazing guy. He's he uh, doing a whole lot for the community. You know, our topic is still, um, uh, it takes a village, a communal effort. And Erin Jones, she brings a lot to the table. Let me just tell you a little bit about her before I bring in my co-host. Erin M. Jones is a native of Cartersville, Georgia. Grown up in a vibrant Southern community, she developed a passion for and commitment to service that meets others' needs and ushers in positive transformational change taught to her by her parents, the late Lewis and Dolores Jones. This passion and unwavering commitment to service can be seen through her work as a social worker for Northwest Georgia and the metro Atlanta area. Now, of course, I'm going to allow Erin to come in shortly to share the things that she's doing because she's doing a whole lot. But y'all, help me welcome uh, my co-host for the day, Lady Ashley. Hey guys, I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. Having, or I'm sorry, this morning, having this great conversation. Um, I hope that you all will get something out of what is going to be said. You are in for a treat because Erin has so much to offer. Um, so I'm excited to dive in. Excellent. Now, of course, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Facebook Live, please follow us on uh, social media platforms such as uh, Deborah Bryant Montgomery, Relationship Lounge, and also Instagram. And of course, we're going to also have Erin to share with you how you can follow her uh, as well. And Lady Ashley, of course, you can follow her on Ashley Rogers. Um, that would be Facebook. Is that right? Um, absolutely. So you can follow me on Ashley Rogers on Facebook or Be Unique Styles on Facebook. Also on Instagram, Be Unique Styles as well. Excellent. Okay, so what we're going to do is dive in. I'm so excited. You were recommended, Erin, uh, by Margaret Cunley, and that's mm -hmm. Dr. Margaret to me. She is absolutely <laughs> fabulous. I love her. She's not only family, but she is such a brilliant, a brilliant woman of God. And man, I tell you, she just have you like this. You know, every <laughs> word that drips out of her mouth. So let, let me start the questions uh, off. Uh, first of all, tell the great people who you are and what you do. Hi, everybody. Good evening. My name is Erin Jones. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I was recently licensed in that about a month ago. Um, I've been licensed, wow. though, as a therapist. Yeah, um, licensed as a therapist since 2011 in the state of Georgia. So um, my background or my niches in therapy are definitely uh, grief and loss, anxiety, depression, um, perfectionism, uh, like different types of trauma. Uh, I deal with a lot. Um, my career has spanned, oh gosh, like 12, 15 years or so. Um, I've been with the Department of Family and Children's Service. I've been with the Department of Juvenile Justice, but um, the majority of my career has been spent in hospice as a social worker. I'm currently um, with Wellstar Hospice and I have my own uh, initiative uh, for mental health own company, hopefully private practice at some point um, called Epiphany Concepts. So 
you know, my, my big thrust, um, one of the, one of many, but the primary thing is, especially my heart really goes out for the African-American community, um, that will start to normalize going to therapy, that it's good for us, it's healthy for us. We, um, of all people, have a lot of trauma just from, mm. you know, growing up Black in mm -hmm. the United States, right? Mm -hmm. And, right. Um, you know, we weren't slaves necessarily, but those, all of those actions still impact us today. Yes. It impacts our policy today, how things are done today, and we, we can still see that as we, um, you know, watch the news or watch social social media or whatever the case. So um, that's my, that's a big part is just to normalize that it's okay to talk to a professional about, you know, it's good. Um, I follow a, an amazing uh, licensed clinical social worker as well. Her name is Dr. Anita Phillips, and she's affiliated with Bishop Jake, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Um, and she says, you know, prayer um, therapy is a strategy, but prayer is a weapon. And so mm -hmm. you, using both of them in conjunction, not just one without the other, because a lot of times, Love you know, it. we think we can pray a lot of things away and we come can, on now. Um, but there is, you know, faith without works is also dead. So if right, you're not right. doing anything to kind of change your situation or your circumstance, um, you know, it can be problematic. So it's good to reach out. It's good to have friends and family to talk to, but there's an, it's another level to therapy. Venting your problems, like when people post and vent on social media or whatever, that is not therapy. You know, therapy has a treatment plan and this is what we're going to do okay. and this is how we're going to achieve that goal. While venting is just kind of venting and it feels good to get it off your chest, but how long before you're kind of back in the same situation because your behaviors haven't changed. So it's a wow. lot. Um, you know, but that's, that's, that's a little bit of what I do. That's good. Um, I have, <laughs> I have been for, um, since 2015, I think it was, I uh, started a group called Onward, um, and it's a free support group that I've been holding. It's kind of been on hold, um, since COVID-19 came onto the scene. So we're trying to find a, a platform, you know, people are like, well, can't you do Zoom or can't you do this? Well, I mean, I could, but I really, like, the integrity of the group, the confidentiality of the group, I really want to keep that. Um, and so I have to make sure that we're using a platform that's HIPAA compliant so that, you know, people's business isn't out on the airway. So I'm trying to work that out. But that's been something, and that's, like, a big part of my give back. I will never charge for that group um, because I know that it's something that's needed in the community. So, Wow. That's oh, awesome. man. Oh, man. Yeah. You come with a wealth of knowledge. So it's like, we're not going to be able to even touch on a whole lot that you uh, bring to the table as far as the village is concerned. I'm going to move in that direction as soon as uh, sure. Lady Ashley is able to uh, ask you whatever question is that she have for you. Okay. Right. So um, did I mention that I'm excited to have you on this podcast? You did, and I, did I mention I was so excited to be asked and to be Yay. a part of it? <laughs> Yay, so, you know, there is um, a small age difference um, between you and I, um, mm -hmm. but if I can be transparent for a moment, I have watched you for quite some time, you know, growing up, I've watched you um, be a leader in the community, I've watched you take part in so many different things, I've seen your transparency, I've seen you pour your heart out. And, you know, I'm just so inspired by that. Um, and I have so many questions for you, but I'll start with this one. 
Okay. Um, you mentioned and that you, you that have so your nonprofit Epiphany concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you turn your pain? What what inspired you to turn your pain into a purpose? Uh, well, okay, so doing things in the community, and I think you can relate to this. Like when you have parents that do that, it's just a part of growing up. So it's not right. abnormal, you know, feeding people at the holidays or or not, or doing things throughout the year that maybe nobody even knows about that your parents do. Uh, you know, and that kind of thing. It was just, it was a part, I think, I mean, even more, you know, they ask in therapy, like, is it more nature? Is it more nurture? I think it was both. Um, You know, they fostered that in us. We always knew that we had to help other people, like, and not help other people. Like, we look down at you and we help you. We help everybody. My my dad grew up in a close-knit family, six boys. Um, My grandmother had, and they oh always book. took, I know, and, and they, it was like a size six forever. That's what I don't understand right. why I didn't inherit <laughs> that, you know, but um, she, they were always, they took care of each other. And even as they aged, um, and some of them passed on, like my dad is deceased now, but he cared for my oldest uncle. He was with my, my other uncle when he died suddenly, when they were in Detroit. Um, they, it, it was just always like that. And it's the same way, like on my mom's side, like my first cousins are like my siblings, you know what I'm saying? And so it was just always look out you and, and my brother to my sister, y'all take care of each other. Y'all look out for each other. Like that was always that. So it extended, you know, beyond biological family. It was just like everybody was our cousin. And I mean, when you grow up in a small town like Cartersville, almost right. everybody up here is related in some kind of way, shape, or form. There's several families that are connected and, you know, whatever, but it was just always something, you know, so I didn't, I don't think I consciously was doing that. I think it just happened um, because it's in my nature because that's what I was taught to do, so. Right, and I Mm -hmm. I know um, just the benefit that your nonprofit has I know how valuable it is because um, we had a a cousin whose son uh, suddenly drowned and I recommended you to her and she didn't know what she was going to do. She didn't know how to process it. She didn't know. She just didn't know. And she came to me and she told me, thank you for telling her about you and your group. And um, she was like, I don't know what I would have done had I not connected to her. So, um, you know, it takes a very strong person to uh, create something out of their pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you're doing something major. And I I personally remember your mom when I was a little girl and she always smiled at me. She always told me how beautiful I was. She And I grew up a foster child. And so oftentimes I felt like I was treated differently. Mm-hmm. She never treated me like I was any different from any other kids. And I always remember that. So... Um, I know that it's just in your blood, you know, it's, it's just the way you were raised and it's, it's just in your DNA. So I'm blessed to be, um, (laughs) to even know about what you're, what you have going on. So, yeah. And I did actually, as you were talking, it kind of came to me how the group actually started. Um, okay. So my mother died in 2004. Uh, I didn't really, I was 24. So I was the matriarch of my family at 24 years old. So, um, I felt a certain responsibility, like a mothering almost responsibility to my sister. I felt a duty, you know, kind of to my dad, my brother. I mean, just 
I was the oldest girl. So, I mean, you right. know how that goes. Right. So, um, <laughs> so I remember like the day after we buried my mom, it was on a, her funeral was on a Sunday. We went to, I had Maymester that started for college. And if anybody's ever taken a Maymester it's class, hard. that is 20 weeks yeah. worth of work in two weeks. Yeah. And um, oh my gosh, like, so that Sunday, that Monday, I went right back to school. Um, I signed up for like the full session. I was just trying to go, 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 go. And I didn't realize that was what I was doing. I just didn't know what to do. And because people are always kind of used to looking at me as the cheerful one and like the one who will kind of lift people up, even as a kid, like I was that way. Um, I was singing and performing and just being silly like my dad. And, you know, so I tried to stay in that role, but I never really dealt with my grief. So I ended up graduating from college. Weirdly enough, my mother died May 12, 2004. I graduated from college May 12, 2005. Wow. Um, I worked for a period of time for the Department of Juvenile Justice. And then I went, I asked my dad if it was okay for me to leave my job because it was a full-time program to pursue my master's. in social work and so he said I could so I did um that was from 06 to 08 um 2008 I bought a house we had our first Thanksgiving at my house and I was so excited we had been out that day because Dexter and Katasha Morris had that feed the you know for Thanksgiving right so then we had done that and then we went back to my house so we ate did our thing um and then everybody kind of went their own way and I was really tired And just all of a sudden, like, I started crying, like, and it was, like, guttural, like, like, ugly, like, snot, like, lip curled up, like, and I was, like, and I was so confused, because I was, like, I've had a really good day, like, what's really going on? And I think I cried for, like, hours, like, my brother tried to get me to come, he was eating at Trina Callahan's house, and he tried to get me to come, and I was, like, no, um, because I was so just overcome with emotion, and by the time I finished crying, like my eyes were so swollen shut and like air was moving through my vocal cords, but it sounded like a whisper. It wasn't even like a cry. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, all of that, that was four years worth of tears, worth of Mm. just all kinds of stuff. During that time I had started having panic attacks, um, dealing with anxiety. Um, I mean, almost debilitating anxiety, um, wouldn't drive at night on the express. I mean, it was bad. And, um, but after I had that moment, I said, I will never, um, I'll I'll never have another Thanksgiving like this ever again. And so after that, I just started being more intentional and I started reading more about what can I do to stop this from happening and, you know, all these kinds of things. And still that was in 2008 and I never had another, you know, sad, sad holiday like that again. But um, it just, that's when it kind of clicked for me that there's got to be something and I can't be the only person feeling like this. And as alone as I felt and as many people as I know, like I know somebody else is dealing with this. So I said all of that to say that was kind of like the impetus, even though it didn't come until, um, sorry, can you, I'm sorry. Even though it didn't come until, you know, years later, that's when the seed was kind of birthed and I was like, and I hadn't even begun working in hospice yet either. So that, that was that. And then I started working in hospice in 2009. So. Wow. You so know, you, had to uh, go through. Uh, you covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Just seeing. 
Mm -hmm. um, and you answered a couple of my questions that I'm just going to mark off. Okay. Because it was all in the mix of what okay. you were stating. I, you know, I read that story. You, if oh, I'm not wow. mistaken, you've got some yeah. type of. It's a it's a, a piece that you wrote, I think, on Insta on IG or it's yes. a beautiful piece where you yes, mentioned you. Uh, this information. And the thing about it, I was intrigued by it simply because I know, I know that pain is purpose. And the thing about it is we don't choose that route. We don't choose the road. You know what I'm saying? But we're not right. here. We're not here for naught. We are here on purpose. So I believe that when we move in a place, it's intentional. When God has anointed sure. you to uh, be a voice to the silent cry, whether it's grief, whether it's abuse, whether, whatever it, the case may be, as one person, you can't win everybody. I believe sure. that we are assigned to a people, okay? Right. So I won't ask you what inspired you, because now mm -hmm. I know, based off mm -hmm. of what you just shared. So mm -hmm. my question is going to be to you, um, what is it? What did, what is it that you believe as far as the village is concerned? What is what do you believe is your place where the village is concerned when it comes to reaching, you know, uh, different people? What right. is your what is your role? What is your role to to reach the village? Um, I think as an educator, I think you know as a healer. Um, you know, I, I consider mm. my role as a therapist, I, I consider myself as that even when I sing, I feel like there is something about me because I'm an extension of God, you know, in mm. the earth realm that's tangible for people. Everybody's faith walk is not such that they can just deal with, with Abba, with God mm. the Father and just look at him like that. Mm. So all mm. of us, I think Kirk Franklin wrote a song. It was early in his career. Um, about if people can't see my Jesus, then that they have to see me, you know, I, I'm going to be the Jesus that they see. So, um, you know, I, I think my role is like, I'm not pretentious. I can't do fake. I never like, I don't have my emotions. Well, like even on my face, like I, I just cannot do that. And I cannot in good conscience tell people, you know, go to therapy if I'm a therapist, but not, and I'm not willing to go myself. Because I, I am a therapist and I have a therapist, you know, and um, I think my role is to normalize that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to see oh, wow. outside of your oh, family. Wow. It's, out, it's okay, you know, to do that. And as a village, I feel like I, I can't, you know, some people have bad things to say about Cartersville. Sometimes they have felt judged or they have felt this or they have felt that. And I guess at some point, maybe, but overall, my experience has been positive. I'm talking about, like, even in my education, like, my mother, okay, was my first teacher, you know, Zion Community Daycare at Mount Zion. <laughs> then I go to, I go, I go to kindergarten um, at Cass Primary. Phyllis Robinson is my kindergarten teacher, who is also my cousin. First grade, I go to Mission Road. Again, second grade, Ruth Jones, third grade, Rosanna Shaw, fourth grade, Theresa Oglesby, fifth grade, Leslie Williams, and Mr. Ralph Lowe was my principal. Wow. So village, that has all like I told you how I grew up on both sides. So mm. I've always mm. like every graduation that I have ever had up to my master's degree, Bibi Morgan and Ruby Morgan have been at my graduations, like physically there. 
Not I love even, them. And and brought a card. Thank y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, then even when my daughter, you know, was um in the debutante ball for the AKAs, Miss Ruby took her under her wing for that. So I mean, like the bottom gym was, you know, a part of my village. Um, you know, Duck Strickland, like learning how, oh, you can have like a halfway. I mean, it, it's always been so much. You, Miss Deborah, you know, Coach Deb singing, like Billy, I mean, it's everywhere. And it I'm like nothing without that experience. And so those people that feel like they're not a part, you know, it's my job as a social worker who like in our code of ethics, we talk about equity and making sure like everything is fair for everybody. Like those those scragglers and those that don't feel they feel like they're misfits and they don't fit in. It's my role to pull them in and say, Yeah, mm, I do have a master's mm. and a license, but I hurt just like you hurt and I'm human just like you're human. Right. And I think right. and in the black community, like I think I get the buy-in on that group, Ashley, like what you were talking about. I get the buy-in on that group because I've been there and I'm not afraid to share my experience. Mm. And I have cried in my own group before. Like, I don't come up there like I'm some kind of expert. You know, I am an expert by way of experience and by way of my credentials, but it's my experience that really gets people to buy in, you know, and you can be a grief therapist and not have, you know, that experience. You, I mean, God can anoint you to do anything, but I know that that's why. And I'm not ever going to be ashamed or afraid to tell my story. If my, you know, like even Ashley was talking about my mom, it's fall. I always think about my, think about my mom. It's almost fall. I always think about my mom. I could feel like a little lump. Like if I would have had to cry, I just would have had to come off to the side or just been right here or just swallow a few times. Yeah. That's what I got to do. Yeah. Because if I ever lose that, I feel like, in hospice I've seen thousands of people die and um like I never death is never like oh this is another death I always have that lump I always feel toward that family you know not that I'm them but I because I know that my pain connects that's empathy my pain connects right. you know with their pain that's right and so that's right you know village is everything coach Deb I everything. mean I don't see that's why when people aren't a part of the village, that's why they struggle. And so Exactly, girl. Yeah, yeah. So I just posted something on my Instagram. It's the most recent um, post. And we see this a lot in our society. It says ultra, I think it says ultra independent is a trauma response. So when you find people that just say, I'm going to do it myself. I don't need nobody. I don't see if I, we human beings, Scientifically, this ain't even churchy. Scientifically, we are designed to connect to each other. Exactly. Black exactly. people, especially, we are communal. That's why choir, and that's why all of these things to come together, you know, to, to come together, and, and all of the, the, the tenets in Kwanzaa, and all of those kind of things come are about now. community and coming together. And that's why, and if we ever do that, that's why the enemy fights us so hard in this area. Like, why can't 10 different people have a podcast? They can. But if somebody does it first, oh, well, she thinks she and, you know, all of that crabby junk that happens. Like, it's, oh. it's enough. It is enough love. It's enough. enough Come on now. If it's, it's enough money to go around really for everybody. So if, if you love have it. Love it. an idea, selling shirts or selling plates, 
or selling whatever. Like you said, everybody, I cannot feed, I cannot counsel everybody in this world. Come on now. So Margaret's got to have a practice. I've got to have a practice. Kawana Washington's got to have a practice. Right. You know, um, Lyrica's got to have a practice. Dr. Melissa Green has to have a practice. Like it has to be like that because it's just certain people, singers, older girls, you know, um, single parents, they'll, they'll relate to me and they'll, they'll want to come to me or they might see my picture on psychology today and like my lipstick. I mean, it can be anything, but it's something like everybody has their lane. Everybody has their niche. Everybody has their popular, their um, population that they're assigned to. And so, you know, we just, I mean, that's what we got to do. Like we got to get out of the mindset. We got to be community and not competitors. Right. Ooh. That right, down. that's look. You better write that down, sis. <laughs> you need to make a shirt out of that. <laughs> okay, look, that's good. I do that too. Uh, that's that because, was awesome. I mean, because that's our problem. That that is one of our many many issues. Like every race, like can come together, and it goes back so far. Cain and Abel, house n word, field n word. You know, the house slave, the field slave, like all of those divisions and that stuff impacts us even now the light-skinned child the dark-skinned child this child that child different daddies i didn't like your daddy so i treat girl we keep traumatizing we keep traumatizing our own we traumatize our own and it's just it's it's not right and we're we're damaging ourselves and we are we are losing when god made us to be you know above and not beneath above only it says and not beneath like we gotta we we gotta we it's a lot of work to do and i can't do right. it by myself you know right. and right. I, I mean it's just so much i get i, I love get it. turned up about this kind of stuff like I I'm get glad. I'm glad. it's beautiful i do yeah i'm I that do. way too i um you know i there's one thing that is so awesome about you to me is like you've been a leader for as long as I can remember. And I'm a leader in the community as well. I'm a pastor's wife and then I do other things as well. But um, I also understand uh, the pressure and the weight that is on the leader. I, mm -hmm. I understand the expectations that are placed on the leader. And one thing that I really honor about you is your transparency. And I think that's one major thing that we have in common because I always tell people that God has given me the gift of transparency. And that's a gift because a lot of people would much prefer hide what they've had to go through instead right. of speak on those things so that they can inspire others. And Not so knowing that's one thing that that's going to that set them free. Right. Like it's going to set you free. The Absolutely. more you talk about it, it's going to heal and then you're going to heal other people. Right. Right. Heal and heal. And it's, it's so true that, you know, what we go through, I know it sounds so cliche, but it's so true Not that what we have to go through is, is, is to make us better, but it's also to help pull other people through. And like, I can remember feeling like I was suffocating um, with Kyrie pastoring and, you know, some people want to be pastors' wives. And I'll just say that that was not my original choice. And, um, it's, it's just a lot, but being mm -hmm. able to witness your transparency and how you're not afraid to speak about things that you've had to deal with, that alone gave me um, power and it gave me the confidence to be able to speak out on things that I've had to deal with. I've reached out Aww. to you on other occasions 
mm-hmm. when I was dealing with something within my family and you always gave me the direction that I needed. And like that right there, that's fun. being a part of the village and that's being um, the person that should be a part of a village. So um, I'm, I, I definitely give you mad respect for just your transparency because people see Aaron Jones, they see that you're talented, they see that you're a leader, they see all of these amazing things about you, but a lot of people, and I noticed that sometimes it's hard for people to, to see the struggle in leaders. They mm. want us to be perfect. They want us to appear that we have it all together, but you broke the mold when you allow people to see the transparency that you possess. So I just want to let you know that that inspires me and that reminds me in my weak moments that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And right. it's people like you who are part of the village who I can come to, you know, when I need help or when I need some type of direction, mm-hmm. that's what it means to be a part of the village. So kudos I'm to chilled. you. Is Thank there, you. you. You got a question? I, I appreciate that. <laughs> She's juicing you up. You got a question? <laughs> you got a question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I do have a, I do have a question. <laughs> I do have a question. See, she, you know what, Erin? I'm talking to Erin right now. See, she does this. You go back on all the podcasts and see, she calls me out like this. So, right. We got to all <laughs> Look, I get caught up and I have to try to regain my composure and not, you know. Right, right, right. So, and you done turn a whole, but Erin, so you done turn a whole different shade. So it's right. like. <laughs> so let me cut that off and let me go to my question. Where my, are you, Erin? Where are you? My apologies. See, you, you always do me like that. You see how you do? You see, look at my nose. My nose is shining better than it should be right about now. <laughs> I said, Lord, what happened? I'm asking. Erin, we're kicking you out of You done turn a different shade. She all mushy. I said, okay, I'm just going to move over to the side. <laughs> but no, but like, but, but you know what? Um, words of affirmation is my top love language. And, um, I appreciate that. I mean, and, and I really do because like sometimes you think you don't think you're really doing anything and um, people don't think you think that people think you be up here like trying to be somebody and I'm thinking except for God's grace like I'm nothing like I am absolutely nothing I am you know God allowed me to you know matriculate through school and you know do all of that all while you know being a mom and raising this girl you know because every loss that I've had Madison has had too and people don't you know people don't think about that that's why I will always go hard for her because she has always just you know done what she was supposed to do she's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination and like we're very open even like I apologize to her if I do something wrong if I accuse her of something or if I on an anxious day you know um yell at her for something and it then it wasn't her fault then I go back and I say I'm sorry you know, yeah. and, and I try to, I try to do things that maybe, you know, I felt like my parents could have done better. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just to make it better. And I hope she does, you know, the same with her children yeah. when she has yeah. them too, but yeah. And know, I think that's important. <laughs> Look, I think that's important too, because, um, I didn't, you know, growing up, I didn't get a lot of apologies, you know, in the black community is, 
if they're wrong, they right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm going to do it because I said it or, you know, you don't need to know why. Right. Um, but, you know, it's so crazy because I find myself like with, with my, my kids who are my biggest critics, you know, I find myself like, for instance, Bella missed, I made her miss the birthday party and she fo- she's four. And like, mm-hmm. she was real mad at me. And I had to say, Bella, you know, I'm sorry I was running my mouth. Will you please forgive me? She wasn't ready to forgive me right then. But by the right. end of the conversation, you know. Um, but my question to you is, what does your village look like growing up? I know you mentioned Mr. Morgan. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned people. Miss Ruby. How mm-hmm. did that, how did having that village affect your outcome? Because a lot of people's village has failed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're blessed if we've had a village that has helped build us. So what, what was it about your village that helped make you into who you are today? And how did that affect your outcome? Um, I would say, okay, so my village wasn't a perfect village. And I think we got to get out of the mindset that good kids or good situations or good outcomes have to come from perfect situations. Right. Uh, Jesus didn't come out in no perfect situation. Like his whole existence, how he came on the scene was causing trouble from the start. You right. know what I'm saying? So right. um, we have to be, you know, mindful of that. And so my village, I just think about, gosh, I mean, I consider like Sister Tina Williams, um, you know, Jepeth and Justin's mom, uh, singers, like a lot of singers. The people in Victory Life across the street from House Delivery. I mean, like, I think of all of that stuff. And, like, I get very, and I think think it makes me tearful when I think about, like, my mom and stuff. Because all of that brings all of that back. So all of the, the women on, the people on the praise teams and, you know, just following my mom around, um, there were so many people and I, I always, you know, and I think that's what helps me a lot with my, my clients too. Like, I don't come in, like I said earlier, I don't come in like I'm an expert. Um, people are the expert on their lives. Therapists are there to kind of guide them, you know, address faulty thinking patterns, things that you could, like, you can think a thing and think that it's right. And then when you actually, you can mm-hmm. think it in your mind and then you say it out your mouth mm-hmm. and you're like, that doesn't even make sense. But it's something that has guided you or governed you your whole life. And until you Mm -hmm, have that mm -hmm. experience with that therapist, you know, you don't, you don't know that. And so, I mean, like Margaret, talking about us being colleagues now, when we were classmates at um, community, at Zion Community Daycare on the Hill. And I can remember her calling my mama, Mama, and I used to get so mad at Margaret. <laughs> you know, or whatever, but but that was my first lesson in like in community and learning that my mom is a community mom. She everybody's yeah. like in some kind of way, you know, she mothered people in so many different ways. So, you know, I mean, Mary Canty, um yeah. you know, I, I mean I'm just I'm in my mind, like I'm driving up Fight Street, then I'm going up Walford Street. Right. <laughs> then I mean my cousin, like when I was in high school, I was, I spent a lot of time with Rashida and Tiff my cousins Rashida and Tiffany. All of the people, just the whole hill in general. Yeah. Um Louise, you know, Louise Beasley, um, yeah. who is related to me also. And then I, I forgot, I left this out. The librarian at my elementary school was my grandmother's sister, Ann Robinson. Um, you know, so I, and what did that bring out of me? It created accountability. 
because what I was being told at home was what I was being told at school. And if I got out of line, which you know, I didn't do much, I was pretty chill, but um, I knew that they would tell my parents and I knew it yeah. was going to be some consequences, you know, to my actions. So, um, you know, yeah. my PE teacher, Miss Martin, who, I mean, I'm still, I'm Facebook friends with some of my elementary school teachers that are still, they still give the little, the little girl, Aaron, the inner child, Aaron, like this encouragement. I'm so proud of you. Look at what you're doing. And, you know, all these kind of things that, and it takes me back to being at Mission Road Elementary and, you know, Miss Martin, uh, Heath now, but um, Miss Martin saying, you know, oh, you ran so fast or oh, you did so good, you know, in PE or whatever. So, you know, Miss Phillips and Miss McGowan in music class and Miss Gray, my middle school course teacher, Mr. Nelson, Mr. Stanley. Like, I mean, it's so wow. much. And I, and I, and I told the Lord, I was praying one day and I just started to thank him because he's always, no matter what job I had when I was in graduate school, whatever, like how I got into graduate school, I didn't even apply initially because it was I was in the very first MSW class at Kennesaw State um one of my professors Dr. Cynthia Ratchford an African-American professor at Kennesaw State called me at my job and was like uh Miss Jones <laughs> and I knew her voice immediately and she reminded me of my mom because she wore red lipstick all the time and um had a little short haircut and she said um I didn't see your name you know, in the, in the pool of applicants for the MSW program, darling. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't apply. I mean, you know, I'm working and, you know, I'm working and I'm working. So <laughs> she was like, she was like, you know, in no uncertain terms, because she didn't always use, you know, she used some different language than my mom. Sometimes not a heavenly language. She was like, you better get your beat in, in, right. you know, uh, go take the GRE, get in this program and get your credentials. And I was like, okay, and I'm so glad that I did. So, I mean, she reached out to me. She didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just always God has favored me in that way that I've always been, even after my mom was gone, I had lots of mothers. It wasn't right. the same and it wasn't my mother, but, you know, I they gave me what I needed or they reiterated something that my mom had told me along the way or my dad, you know, had told me along the way to push me you know, because that's when I started dealing with anxiety in graduate school, and it was so funny, because we were talking about so many things, like, okay, they say that everybody, you, y'all have probably heard, they say, oh, well, therapists, you know, they get into it, because they crazy, and I said, I'd like to challenge that, I would like to say, we've all been affected by something in one way or another, that has pushed us to the point to where we want to, it's, it's for us, like, in, in a way, you know, right. on a very, very deep level, it's the curative part for us, um, you know, and, but we want to share that gift, and we want to share that <clears> healing <throat> light with everybody, so, um, you know, during that period of time, I was going through it, I, I remember having my first anxiety attack, I was on my way home from school, and it was at night, and um, I was on 75, heading north, coming home, and I called my brother, and I said, Dexter, I think I'm dying. I was like, and please stay on the phone with me because in case I die, I want you to know like where I am. Like I thought, I, it, I was afraid. I mean, like if I think back to that and like channel that, you know what I'm saying? Like just think back to that moment. It was so, so scary. I mean, I called Pastor Gene um, and I was like, well, hurry up. I was like, somebody just stay on the phone with me. And that 15 minutes from Kennesaw, I swear, felt like days, years because I was so anxious and just, yeah. it was awful. And then that, 
set off just a lot. I mean, it was a lot going through. So to, to push through grad school with all of that stress um, and getting into the curative part. And when I, I was so young, when I went back, I was like, well, I'm just doing this because I want to help people not having not the deepest insight to myself and what I needed, you know, from it. So even though I do end up helping people, it's so mutually beneficial because right. I get, you know, so much from it too. So right, that's how, you know, the village, man, my village has wow. been and continues to be amazing. I got my grad school professors, my friends on Facebook. I'm doing a presentation for um, Florida State University soon because um, she teaches there. And I mean, God is just good. That's just it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the moral of the story. Yeah, that's a blessing. That's yeah. awesome. Um, your, <clears throat> you paid homage tonight, uh, uh, this morning, to so many uh, uh, unknown faces and unknown names. And I think that that is just absolutely very respectful of you. Your village has been uh, a huge uh, amount of people uh, they possibly didn't even consider themselves major in your life, just doing what they uh, aspire to do mm -hmm. or, you know, desire to do, not making a big deal out of it because they were heartfelt, you know, to do it. Mm -hmm. So you also uh, uh, exposed your vulnerability. It's like you really want people to understand and know that you're just, a broken human being and you desire to, to be the change that that uh you want to see i you do not like people feeling alone do you know how alone you feel like i i can only imagine how alone you felt when you went through what you went through i i worked in adoptions but most of my kids were teenagers and they were long-term foster care kids i know they feel alone that is that is an illusion that the enemy creates for, so he can wreak havoc and we can deal with all this dysfunction and deal with all this trauma and all this kind of stuff. But that I hate feeling alone. That's why I was like, <laughs> I got to do a group. I got to do something where people can connect. And even though in the group, people have different losses. It might be a spouse. It might be a child. It might be their mother. Um, it could have been 25 years ago. It could have been two months ago. There are so many commonalities. And just when you hear somebody say, girl, me too, for real. Like, yes. I thought I was the yes. only one. And if, if we would stop being so guarded and stop being so weird and like not talking to each other. And, and, and I shouldn't say weird. That sounded very judgmental. If we would stop being like being but it's in, the truth, though. informed, yeah, it's informed the truth, by, though. And, and, and people are informed by their trauma because some people have been betrayed. I, I understand that. Like, I, I really do. But we have got to push past that fear and be, like you said, vulnerable enough. Shout out to Brene Brown, um, who, who is a shame researcher who talks about um, vulnerability. Um, we have got to get to a place to where we are open about what it is that we deal with so that if somebody else has been through that, if you don't ever tell anybody, like, why would you hold the secret to right. somebody else being successful? And I mean, right. there's a lot of issues within that. And, and we talked about that earlier, you know, in our community, um, especially. But, but we have got to start being more open and telling the truth. Many are yeah. one by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. But if we do not testify and we, I mean, and it's, it's more than giving honor to God if he's ahead of my life. 
when we have opportunity at lunch, when we have opportunity at church, when we have opportunity, you know, at the women's conference or whatever, just even in our day to day, walking with our friend hiking Pine Mountain and we see somebody struggling, you know, like to get off of our, get off of our pride and off of our ego and say, come you know on now. I struggle just like you struggle. Yeah. Like I have to have help too. And, and, and the thing about it is, you know, a lot of mental health professionals don't get help. Um, but if an oncologist can get cancer, then a therapist can probably be depressed. Like, right. after all, you do listen to people's problems all day. After all, you do absorb that, like, all the time. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like, we have got to just, we really, we really have to deal with our trauma. That way, yeah. we don't separate from each other. Because, I mean, it's been detrimental to our culture so far, if, if nobody can see that. Right. You know? Right. And, you know, I want I... a mentor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want, like, it means a lot to me that you said what you said because I would never want you, like, I, you know, every single mother with one child, when you just had Nikeria, like, I was like, dang, that was me. When I see, when I, and I told Shay Alexander, who is also a licensed clinical social worker, when I see her in Emory, that reminds me of me and Madison. You know what I'm saying? It, it, my heart just, it, it just goes out because I remember those times. I remember being young. I remember trying to go to school trying to make a life and all of those kinds of things and who like I think that it, that would be horrible of me to have keys to help you and just not help you why like I don't right. understand that right I, I right don't. and I um you know I I didn't you know there was a there was a period in my life where I don't feel like I had a very strong village you know, I can remember when I was in foster care and um, for about seven years from age four to 11. And I mean, my, my foster parents, they did the best that they could. But mm -hmm. there were many nights that I cried myself to sleep. There were many mm -hmm. like nights that I felt so alone. And then I would go to school and I would, you know, not get in trouble, but just not be the best student. Mm -hmm. And I never had a teacher to say, hey, I noticed that you're off, there's something going on, would you like to talk about it? And they wouldn't know that, because they never asked, they wouldn't know that I see my mom out in public and I just wanted to hug her and I was ripped out of her arms. And they wouldn't know the traumatic, the trauma that I had to endure, you right. know, over the weekend. And maybe that's why my behavior was not the best. But right. I do remember what, I remember two people in, in my whole school career, Miss Kellogg, Linda Kellogg, Mm -hmm. who was the attendance officer at um, Cartersville High School. I think she still is. And Dr. Um, Mr. Um, Jabez Floyd. Mm -hmm. He was a part of my village. Those were the only two um, people in my whole school career who showed me that there was some type of value in me that they were able to recognize. And, um, you know, but... I I just don't feel like another child should have to grow up with, without a strong village. And right. so um, I really, I really put my hands together for anybody who has vowed to be a part of the change, who has vowed to be a part of the village that is needed in our community, because they unfortunately right now, there are a lot of children um, 
who don't have that village that they need. And so us mm -hmm. as believers, us as kingdom builders, us as just positive people, we have an obligation to fulfill those duties, to fulfill Absolutely. those assignments. And, you know, really, we go through what we've had to go through in order to pull other people through. So our, tra sure. our trauma and our rejection and the things that we've had to deal with, it's not just for us. It's to help the people who are connected to us and the people who Absolutely. are around us. So, you know, that's, that's major. Like, and I, and I just keep going back to your transparency. Like I'll never forget recently, probably about four months ago, mm -hmm. I, I too had an anxiety attack mm. and I, we ordered food from city wings. Kyrie was at home with the kids and there was some stuff going on with Nike and I, my two oldest. I think they had gotten into a major argument that day and I'm just not used to that. So I'm picking up the food from City Wings. I'm sitting in the car and then I look up and I see Kyrie, I see my husband. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, I had to come get something to drink. And so out of nowhere, I had a panic attack. And I told him, I said, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And I mean, tears, and I couldn't catch mm -hmm. my breath, and it was just mm -hmm. so overwhelming. And mm -hmm. his patience and his love walked me through that. And it, it only lasted about four minutes, but it felt like a lifetime. And he was just telling me, baby, you're just overwhelmed. You're just stressed. You know, breathe. It's going to mm -hmm. be okay. But guess what? People look at me as a leader. I, there's so many people who reach out to me to encourage them. But mm -hmm. at what point do the encourager has someone to encourage them. And I think mm. because we are leaders, we walk around, we carry a lot of weight and we don't mm -hmm. realize that we're carrying those bags or those weights. And then it hits us all at one time. And so mm -hmm. I think for people to see that even leaders, even people in, in high positions, which I really don't care about positions, but even people who have uh, obligations, like they have the same issues that the next door neighbor has. Right. Like and in, to, in today's time, people need to know that I'm not the only one that's going through. Right. Um, I think that is a great point. I'm so glad that you had Kyrie to, um, you know, to be there for you during that, because those, those things are scary. They are very, very scary. And it's amazing what the human mind can can make your body do, like stress can make your body do. Um I, what I want to implore, it's funny that you said, you know, the leaders and all these people carry all this weight. And the reason that we have anxiety and that we get overwhelmed is because we start to shoulder things that are meant for God to shoulder. Mm. And we internalize like a lot of those things. So, you know, we're worried, you know, he addresses the mind so many times in scripture. He addresses anxiety, Philippians 4 and 6 through 8. That's what I used to quote all the time. Be anxious for nothing. But with yeah. prayer and supplication, make your request on the God and the God of uh, peace will guard your heart and mind. And I, I used to keep my Bible when I was going through it bad. I kept my Bible under my pillow. I would quote that. I would say it out loud. I would say it in my mind if, if my breath, if I felt out of breath or whatever the case. But as leaders, we also have to take some level of responsibility for our own health, for our right. own well-being, for self-care. Um most of us that help, and I, and I can only speak for myself, but I get joy out of helping. It's a little bit of a high, a little bit of a rush. Um, but we have to also remember we are not God and we are not omniscient, omnipresent, um, omnipotent. We don't have all of that. 
we right. are an extension of him, but we, we don't hold all of those things. And I mean, we've got to have safe spaces where we can talk to people, you know, whether it's your therapist, whether, you know, it's your pastor, whether who, whomever it may be, that is your, is, is your safe person. You have to, um, you know, take care of ourselves physically. You know, I'm on back on the wagon of working out again and like trying to get everything together again, because those, all of those things play a part with our mental health. We talk about like mental health, but it's all really connected holistically to everything. Cause what happens in your mind, you do have heart palpitations when you have an anxiety attack, you do start to hyperventilate, you know, you do start having, um, your brain start telling your body, um, danger, 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 even though it's not a real threat, it's telling your body that. So it's shooting cortisol into your bloodstream, which causes all kinds of issues in your body. It causes you to gain weight. If you gain weight, like particularly in your belly, like yes, that's what that, that's what that comes from. Like I, that's what, Girl. I mean, you know, that's what that comes from. So, you know, at some point we, we have to stop being, I don't, yeah, we have to stop being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good and yes, stop allowing people to put us in a God position. Keep yourself in a humble place and know right. that you're not God. And when you know your limitations, you know that there's a certain point that there's only a certain point that you can go to and God's going to have to do the rest. Even with right. my clients, even if they're not believers, me as a therapist, because I don't claim I am a Christian that is a therapist, but I'm not trained as a Christian therapist. I'm, I'm you know, like I'm a, I'm a general practitioner, you know what I'm saying? But as a believer, I have to go in my own private time, self-care time to say, Lord, these issues that are impacting these people are impacting me. And I need your help. If I'm supposed to be a guide for them, if I'm supposed to give direction, if I'm supposed to do whatever, like I need you to help me. And you know that I, I'm actually um, going to start a vlog and it's actually called help the helper. And um, wow. yeah. So just because like around with these physicians or whatever, and, it's a, and it is a lot of pressure to perform a certain type of way. That's why, um, Overseer Jeanette Harris from the Daresville Body of Christ. She, I remember one time she was um, at a revival and she said, nobody's ever going to tell anything on me. Nobody can ever blackmail me because I'm going to tell it myself. So I'm going to tell you about my struggles. I'm going to tell you about all of these things, you know, so that you know that I struggle just like you do. And except for God's grace, you know, and some good therapy and some prayer and going to bed at night and, you know, simple thing, putting myself on a schedule, not being allowed to be pulled into other people's crises all the time. If it's that serious, call 911. Like even the doctor tells you, if this is a medical emergency, yes, if this girl. is a mental health emergency, <laughs> then call 911. You know what I'm saying? Because now, now it's out of my scope of practice and I can't help you, you know? And so knowing your limitations and on what you can do so that, you know, you can be an effective helper and then still have something to give to your husband and your children and whoever those people are in your life. You know, you we women wear people, I, I shouldn't even just say women, people wear many hats. And we've got to learn how, it's not that we can't do it. He didn't give us all these skills and all these talents and stuff for no reason. So like, we've got to be good stewards over our bodies, over everything in order to continue to be effective and not burn out. My mom, prime example why I'm so serious about my self-care, my mom had breast cancer. Now she did, it was aggressive. Um, it was a triple negative and I don't know 
if we had discovered it any earlier, how much longer, I don't, I don't know those things. I used to try to figure that, that was part of my anxiety. Like what if, we, if I had, that's a part of grief called bargaining. Well, if we had done this and if we, if she had just blah, blah, blah. So I spent a lot of time after she was dead, um, you know, sorry, did I lose y'all? Oh, being angry um, with her. And she did not, she gave and gave and gave and gave so much. She couldn't even tell what was going on in her own body. And, and it was just misguided because self-care, that's only a buzzword that started to come in the last few years that we right. heard people really talking about it and triggered and, you know, all of these kind. Of, and that brings up another point while I'm saying this. I don't care how many, and it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Ashley, about process. I don't care how many uh, memes you read. I don't care how many episodes of Red Table Talk. I don't care how much jargon you think you can throw around like a therapist or like you've been in treatment. Until you go and do that work yourself, you are not going to be changed. Healing is such a messy process. I Like therapy, I think I made a meme once. It said therapy is one of the most beautifully exhausting experiences I've ever had. There were some sessions that I would leave out of there feeling worse than when I came. And if you think about physical healing, like a, if you have a knee replacement surgery or you tear your ACL or hip replacement or whatever, there is a recovery time that when you're doing like all these, all these kinds of things and it's like, you're doing all of these things, but it hurts worse. Physical therapy hurts when they start yes. to bend your knee back. So think about that stuff from foster care things you you might not even until you get into therapy because you suppressed it you might not even know it's still even there so then right. all of that stuff starts to come up and all of this other stuff starts to come up which leads to oh when I was in this relationship that's why I did that oh when I went over here this is why I did that and so on and so forth and it's such a journey and it is an experience and I tell people all the time it is not for the faint of heart but it is an experience that will break you down to build you back up and when, when it's on a better foundation, like I am a different woman because I was in treatment for like two years straight. When I first started going to therapy, my anxiety was so bad. Lawanda Shell had to drive me. Ed and Benicia had to drive me because I was so jittery. If a truck came up beside me, I'd been done run off the road because I was so anxious and yeah. I was going weekly. And if you're going weekly, that I was never, I was never suicidal. Um, I never wanted to hurt myself or anything like that. But typically, if you're going to a therapist weekly, that is considered intensive treatment. And I did that probably for four to six months. And at this time, my dad was sick. This, I started in January 2014. 2014, he tried to kill me. January 2014, I started therapy. Um, my dad died May 11th, 2014. My house foreclosed because I was taking FMLA and you don't get paid for that. They hold your job, but you don't get paid. I lost my home that I bought um, June. I was laid off in October of that same year. So that's trauma after trauma after trauma, trauma after, after trauma. trauma. And I'm still here to tell the story. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about the fact of how therapy really can change your life and, and getting with the right therapist. It, you, we, we got we to do some healing. That's so can we can we touch on that because mm -hmm. okay so you have helped me out with this you and Brooke Flowers oh, she wrote my bio, when I tell you, shout out to Brooke shout out to you Brooke <laughs> Flowers but when I tell you that there was a moment where I've never been suicidal either but you know a lot of times when we're dealing with stuff with people mm -hmm. who are connected to us who we're close with 
you know, mm-hmm. we carry that weight too. And there was a time where I did not know where I could go. Mm-hmm. And you and Brooke, y'all were my y'all were my strength. Y'all were my backbone and y'all didn't even know it. Just giving wow. me simple information. I, like I'm blown. Like I'm I'm gonna be thinking girl, about this conversation like what? Like girl, I'm telling you, and 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 the confirmation was I had prayed and I said, God, you gotta help me figure this out for this person. And my confirmation was, you told me one thing and Brooke Flowers told me the exact same thing. You told me the same exact recommendation. But for the people who don't have, let me rewind. Some people don't know where to start, how to begin to find a therapist. Because you can Google, and like me, I I would like an African-American therapist therapist not that I have anything against anybody else but I just feel like that they can relate to me better but for the person who have no clue on how to begin their search for a therapist what kind of um, direction can you give them okay before you answer that question yes before you answer that before you answer that question Uh uh, we're down to a bare minimum of minutes My I recommend you and Ashley. She's gonna get kicked out. I, I, she reco- I she recommend you and out. Ashley connect after this is over. Dinner. We gotta go dinner or something. Yeah. There are questions I didn't get a chance to ask. Sorry. Okay. Uh, because it was just so much rich information. So for the sake of time, I really have to move forward. If okay. you can answer her question within, give summarize like sure. for a minute because okay. I actually need to cover some ground before okay. we're done uh, this okay. morning. And I I can absolutely, yeah, I can absolutely do that very quickly. Um, It's as simple really as um, psychologytoday.com is a great resource. There um, is another website called openpathcollective.org. And that is really affordable. They give you like a set rate. And um, like, it's like kind of like a, a, um, like a subscription. It's like a Netflix. You know what I'm saying? But it's therapy. You know what I'm saying? So it's a set price for that. There's um, a search engine um, called Therapy for Black Girls. So female, Black African-American females who are looking for um, a therapist. There's also BetterHelp, which I will be listed on their roster very soon. And you can find, I mean, therapists from all over the nation with all different types of specialties, you know, that relate to your issues. So those are some, you know, some links. Definitely start, though, with psychologytoday.com. That's awesome. Okay, so this is what I need. I need for you to uh, answer this question, uh, and then, of course, I'm going to have Lady Ashley to uh, share some um, tips or something with anyone that's listening before we uh, move out. Now, I need for you to share with the the people that are listening um, how important is it for uh the community the village to uh go to therapy to deal with suppressed emotions understanding that uh process is something you have to trust when it comes to healing but at the same time there are a lot of people that uh have suppressed emotions for many different reasons so what is your take on the community uh going to therapy you know, mm-hmm. and if they don't have a means of going to therapy, the importance of reaching into the village to speak with counselors and pastors and teachers and someone that they trust. 
So I want to put out, I guess, like um, kind of like a charge to those people in leadership um, to be safe, play, be a safe space for these people. That's we know who these people are that are struggling. And even if it's somebody who, you know, with a, with the life that looks like they don't need anything, always being open to understand that everybody has a story and yes. being a safe place. If you know you're not a safe place, refer them to somebody who is. If you know you talk right. too much, if you know you're going to tell their business and further wound them, then just send them on to somebody else like that 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 is a great responsibility you know of the village don't make them outcasts from the village bring them into the village so that they can get healing and if you're not a person again that can do that without judgment refer them to somebody else like that's our answer to everything in therapy if that's not your niche if that's not your if, if that's out of your scope refer out send them to somebody that you know that can deal with that issue. If you've got somebody, you know, that's struggling with um, leaving an abusive situation, then I know I'm going to send them to Coach Deb. Then, you know, if I, if, if there's um, a young adult that's transitioning into independent living after being in foster care, I know I'm going to send them to Ashley. So on the one hand, we've got to communicate with one another Stop having like 12 different events on the same day and maybe Come have one on now. together, yes. you know, and, and, and actually having conversations because when with conversation comes relationship, with relationship comes familiarity and trust. And then you know what everybody has to offer. Like people know me. I mean, and I'm sure they know now that I'm a therapist or whatever. Oh, well, I just thought you worked for DPEC. People still think I work at DPEC, which I did in 2008. But I don't, you know, I don't work there anymore. And I still have, you know, some level of knowledge and friends that still work there. And I can potentially get answers. But I'm just saying, like, the more that we converse with each other and stay in touch with each other, we'll know what everybody can do. And if we don't, then we know Trey Benham is at the Goodwill. You know, he know he'll know how to, you know, get into this. You know, Monique Strickland works at the Labor Department. Like, we need to know that. Like, we need to have, like, a directory. And I think um, that's actually being worked on. Yeah, like, a directory. Yeah, like, like um, of things, services, so that we know, like, what people, what people can do, you know? Right. Amen. <laughs> we need to work on that. Aaron, like me. Yeah, we, we need to work on that. So, Ashley... I need for you to share with the people you mentioned, and I'm heartbroken about it. You mentioned the fact that you didn't, you don't recall having uh, a village, you know, going through what you were going through. I know that, you know, unbeknownst to you, they were there, you know, because people are out, you know, people that love and care about you. Sometimes they don't always uh, have the right word to say, or, you know, they don't always show up when they should, but a village is, people not persons but people and they're there they're there so i need for you to speak to someone that felt like you where's my village where is my village so you now can be that voice speak to whoever is feeling like you felt where's my village what do you recommend right so um you know i first uh, want to encourage whoever is feeling this way to number one take off your mask because a lot of times we wear a smile for a mask a lot of times we we wear um, a laughter for a mask and then that village is unwill is unable um, to recognize 
um, that we're hurting or recognize that we're going through something. And so um, I want to encourage that person who feels like they're alone, who feels like they don't have a village. I want to encourage you to take a deep breath. I want to encourage you to take off your mask so that your true authentic self can be revealed. And also I want you to pray for God's direction um, because a lot of times um, God will show us who we can reach. He shows me who I can reach out to, who I can connect myself to, um, to be able to pour into me in those areas. Now I went through this as a kid. So I was four to age 11. And so I wasn't able to really comprehend how to connect to a village. Um, but I just want to encourage you to look at the leaders inside of your community um, and then take a bold step, move, take a bold step to reach out to whoever it is that you feel like God is connecting you to. And a lot of times people think that leaders are unattainable, but that's just not the truth. Find you someone who you can be yourself with, who you can um, connect with and who can see your value and then begin to start your healing process. Um, so you know, I mean, it's it's not a lot that I can say concerning, um, you know, how to find that village. I just believe that God will bring that village to you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I know that there's a lot of people there. There are a lot of people who don't have any direction, who don't have that support system, who are really trying to make it on their own. But I want to encourage you and remind you that you don't have to do anything alone because God has given you people in your life he's placed uh, leaders in your life um who will help you but a lot of times we're blinded by all kinds of situations that are taking place so ask god to remove the blinders off of your eyes so that you can see who it is that he wants to connect you with and thank you lady ashley erin jones yes i wish you had more time well i wish we I had know. more time your information is is, is rich so guess what you got to come back the, I would love uh, to. It's, it's, it, it's so much that wasn't said. I right. do want to remind people, you can't take this. What I'm telling you, you can't, you can't copyright this. This belongs to, to Aaron. We, <laughs> <laughs> we've got to be the community and not the competitor. Mm. Mercy okay. God. Man, oh, I'm gonna I'm I'm marinate on that, AKA, girl. Girl, AKA Village. <laughs> yeah, that is like, hey, and I love the fact that you also noted that pretty much it's just a flat out sin to move in independence. <laughs> we, it, need the, we need the village, we need the village because the enemy you, will use that seclusion against us, you know, oh, he'll make us God. think that we're alone when there's people around us who love us. We need the village. So let me just leave He's the deceiver note. of the brethren. He is. Yes, he is. Yes, he <laughs> is. And he loved messing with the head, the mind. But uh, the quote for Monday is one day or day one, you decide. Mm. One day or day one, you decide. That's Thank good. you, Aaron Jones, for being a part of the Monday uh, Motivation Monday podcast live. It has been a mere pleasure. This coffee didn't do nothing for me, honey. You did it. <laughs> when I tell you, you I, loved, I loved my coffee, black and strong. But uh -huh. baby, you did that. And I thank <laughs> God for you. And let me just say, I thank you for your authenticity. I thank you so much for your transparency. And for those that thought that you had it uh, uh, going on and that you were perfect, they now know that you right. are human. Please, and you still know. got it going on, sis. 
Well, well, I, that's, that, well, you know exactly what I mean. You better let me say what I'm saying. I, like, you but you know like, what I'm okay. saying. I'm gonna People can't be offended thing. by, okay. All right. I, I was just gonna say I, I just want to say this one last thing. Um, if you have ever seen, and I'll I'll send y'all a picture of it. Um, my logo it's um a peacock. Yeah. And um a lot of people, and then a lot of symbolism for um the peacock is for vanity, but not in the tr Christian tradition. Um the the in the Christian tradition it's like eternal life, and um a lot of times when they flex their feathers out there's flaws and mars and some of those but you don't see it because when it all comes together like it's beautiful so that was really my motivation not i'm proud as a peacock because a lot of people say that and i but i am proud though i am proud of what i went through in my childhood i'm a, i'm proud of you know how i've survived some of the things that i've gone through in my life and the word epiphany um actually is in the christian tradition also is when the magi the three wise men came to see jesus and it was revealed to them so it's about revelation sorry right. my phone my phone is on 10 percent. so it's about revelation so epiphany is your like e is a play on my name because people call me that and then epiphany is a re revelation to self and 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 the symbolism is just you know i'm imperfect but i'm still fly i'm imperfect but i still you know what I'm saying? I'm still bad. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to be, there's no such thing. Per perfection is an illusion. It's not real. It doesn't happen except for God with God. And, um, you know, that's just what it is. So I, I, I am so like, I'm really, when I, when I tell people I'm honored and I'm humbled that you would have me and that we could just have this exchange, it was just so awesome. And I like, I'm gonna go to bed, like on a cloud, I'm gonna probably be like in the bed in the dark <laughs> smiling, like, you know, so and I look forward I, um, to being back and thank you for creating a platform absolutely. so we can get this village if even if it's got to be a virtual village until COVID is over that we Amen. can get, get it together right <laughs> and we need to know that we need to know that we are there because he right. has actually stated earlier and I, I know I know I gotta go I keep hearing it but as she was saying earlier, it's like, where's my village? So people right. don't need to be saying that now. You right. know what I'm saying? Not we need it. to be a voice, to, uh, a, a voice for the, uh, for the uh, silent. And I, sure. I also want to say what I was, uh, I didn't get a chance to finish when I was stating that people don't need to be offended by your humility, by mm -hmm. you uh, being so uh, uh, bold to make a statement as to, you know, I'm not who you thought I was. I'm better. That's right. how I see you. Yes. And I think it's truly amazing. I think it's truly amazing. Let me just say to everybody that's listening, you need to share this podcast because if you share the, 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 the people that share it the most, you're going to receive a uh, giveaway. I want to remind you to follow us on all social media, Instagram and Facebook. Listen, love yourself, love everybody and be an example. I'm Coach Dale. Have an amazing day.